0: Pat, do you remember that scene in Ghostbusters 2 uh, when they were in the courtroom and they turned on the proton packs uh, to fight the uh, whatever brothers? I can't remember their name. Do you remember that scene when they weren't sure if the equipment was going to work? I do remember that scene. I don't know if this podcast might not work, but we turned it on. I don't know. We have to find out. It was a critical moment in Ghostbusters. Uh, The Scalari brothers. We have to fight the Scalari brothers. None of that. We are missing one, uh, Jesse Marshall, uh, of various different hockey outlets, along with my friend Pat Damp, uh, firmly in that KDKA life, brother. You last Union boy now since the last talk
1: to you. You are right. We finally oh, got. Work? put some work in up there. We finally got our union contract done last or two months ago in August. Uh, it's kind of a huge deal. It's it, it, I, I don't want to like you know, toot my own horn too too much here. But that's a pretty historic thing for a group of television producers to unionize, negotiate a contract, and sign it. That's huge. Unbe- yeah. that's, it's unbelievable. So greater days yeah. ahead. Let's hope. We are missing our third. Our third. Our our friend Mike Darnay is not
0: here. We uh, had we wanted to do a show as pretty much the usual. We couldn't find a time where we were all available to actually sit down and do it. Uh, that was lost on us. But Mike uh, was the one who took the short straw on that. Um, so we'll, you know, in the future we'll we'll have Mike back. will be here t- to hang out and uh, party with us. And it, it uh, feels like it th-
1: feels like we say this all the time, but this time it's absolutely even more necessary to say it is a well deserved time off for him because he's literally off of work and off of everything else right now. Like he is just off the grid, taking a mini vacation. Yeah, dude deserves it. Like between his job, h- him being one of my coworkers at KDKA, he's now doing his usual high school sports photography for the newspaper, but he's also doing photography for Pitt and the Steelers
0: yeah that's the big deal is is that like on Mike's time off now he's working (laughs) so uh yeah he that's a big you know everybody knows I think pretty much for the most part that Mike uh years ago developed like a a cursory interest in photography that became much more serious and he's now on the sideline capturing some pretty dope shots at Pitt games and, and for the Steelers as well for that matter he covered uh Kenny Pickett's uh, first foray into Acershire Stadium. I can't even get that out. People have chirped me on Twitter, Pat. For why is it acceptable that we continue to call Star Lake Star Lake, no matter who's there? And it's back, ironically enough, I think we're back to Star Lake. But we can't keep calling Acershire Hines. well what's, th- what's the faux pas?
1: Well, first off. In our newsroom at KDK, now, we have a jar in the middle that's called the Akersher jar. Oh, and, no, and you anytime, have to, you're putting up coins Anytime, now. Yeah, anytime you say hides, you drop a few coins in it. But I think it's because it's only its second name. Like, Starlake had been named how many different things? Like, it was Starlake when I was a kid, then it was Post-Gazette Pavilion, then it was something else, then it was something else, then it was something else, and now it's Starlake again. Like, it's one of those things where... They changed the name every three years, so you're like, screw it, I'm just calling it Starlake. Like, yeah. Now with this one, it's like, well, I mean, it was Heinz when it opened, and now it's Akershire. Yeah. Like, it's it, it's just. Either way, I, like, I, I literally my girlfriend's gift to me on my birthday was she got me the Steel City shirt that says it's always Heinz to me. Yeah, <laughs> so perfect, yeah. I have
0: yeah I <laughs> Um, but good for Mike, yeah. So he'll be back to join us. I, I jokingly told Pat my cat Mike is sitting on my shoulder as I not on it, but next to it as we do the show. So we'll hopefully he'll spit out a hot take later. Um, I hope everything's been good, Pat. And not a lot of penguin stuff to discuss. It's been a long time since we've done a show. Um uh it's good to be back and, and discussing it. The first I don't know if this ever changes for you. It doesn't for me, it probably doesn't for you. That first week we're like hockey season starting, you know, and especially true now with like the weather that we're having. Is like very much like hockey sweater weather, but uh, that you always have that that tangible excitement uh, that you're about that that you know air of hope. uh, The the memory of that loss to the Rangers now so far back in the rear view that like you have that fresh taste in your mouth, palates cleansed, if you will. Um, I, I think it's even though the not much has changed, and there there are have we'll go over the changes to the roster, and there are some new faces, and you know some things have adjusted. Uh, I think there's still that excitement uh, because the band is back together. Uh, the ride keeps going, uh, and, and I think even no matter even if they hadn't kept everyone, Pat, I think you know that that first week of hockey feeling um, it never dulls. I think even to into adulthood.
1: No, it's it like this is firmly my favorite time of the year. Like this, like very early fall, end of summer time of year, like. Late September, early October, just A, the, the weather's unmatched. Like, it's it's just the best weather. And it's just the ultimate time to be a sports fan in general. Like, college football's going, the NFL's going, the NHL's about to start, the NBA's about to start, MLB playoffs are happening. Like, this is just the ultimate time to be a sports fan. And it just, it reminds you, like, of, like, it's that preseason hope. Especially if, you know, you're a team that has made the playoffs, has a good roster. It's that, you, all that possibility is right there in front of you. And like you said, the band's back together. We get another season of Crosby, Malkin, and Letang coming up. And I don't want to spend, go ahead. No, and just, it's so much, it's, it's just the possibilities and the hope in front of us right now. It's my favorite time of the year because we get to embark on another season.
0: Yeah, and and I think that uh, not to spend too much time on what's happened in the past, it wouldn't have been unreasonable for anyone to expect this to not be the case, I think, after that playoff loss to the Rangers. Um, I think that... I don't, I'll i tell you what my thought process was, Pat. I thought they would bring back Malkin. I thought they would bring back Latang. I thought they would bring back Raquel. I didn't think they'd find a way to bring back Brian Rust. I thought that Brian Rust was going to be – this was like my immediate playoffs just ended thought process. He was going to be the casualty, was going to waltz off somewhere and continue to be like this really fruitful and positive impact player that just we simply couldn't afford. Uh, That turns out to not be the case. He ends up getting the guy to be the guys to get signed first, ironically enough. Uh, And then the rest of the chips fall as they do. Uh, Interestingly enough, I just – I have to say – but it is to me it's it's still surprising that we're here uh and I you know I never thought that there was a real possibility that Malkin was gonna land somewhere else but I think as time went on and we started to see the chips fall and you saw what Latang got and you knew what the situation was and the status quo was and the cap situation was there was that concern for a minute that like oh maybe this doesn't happen but I I don't think there was a path Pat and I think if you follow some, of the, I think if you follow some of the conversations in New York right now, they're having the conversation about life as Vince Trocek With Vince Trocek as a prominent center, that I think probably would have been had in Pittsburgh, uh, had Malkin walked and you'd replaced him with Vince Trocek. And that's no disrespect to Trocheck as a player, Pat. Like great, great player. Like good player. I Maybe mean, not great, good, good player. You don't complain about having him. But there's a. I think a significant difference between having Evgeny Malkin and having Trocek on your team, especially when it comes to offensive output um, that I I just think for me, I'll take your opinion here. This was the best case scenario. I just don't see uh, any path in free agency that makes this team better than it is as currently constructed. And Hey, maybe that's not as a team that's really, really a threat to win a cup in a very serious manner, but I mean, were they, were they getting better? by going out and and just getting new for the sake of new.
1: Yeah, I, I and I said this over the off season to a friend of the show and a guest we've had in the past, Josh Taylor. I, I said this to him when I went on Love Josh by the way. Shout when, out to Josh. When I, when I went on to went on 937 with him a few times over the off season, I was with you in that camp. I thought that they they were going to lose Rust just because he has had such a productive couple of years that I thought he made himself a lot of, a lot more money than he got from the Penguins. And I said, I think almost verbatim to Josh was if they're going to lose rust, which I expect they will. Raquel is a very, very suitable replacement because he's kind of the same player. He has really good chemistry with Sid. He also has really good chemistry with Malkin. He's a good winger. that can score with the two most productive centers in franchise history. So, that's a good guy to replace Brian Rust, but lo and behold, he becomes the first to resign. The way I saw it was I figured they would lose Rust. I didn't think there was a possibility Malkin was going to go, and I know he didn't, but it came down to the 11th hour, and I thought that Letang would be the, would be the, ca- the biggest casualty just because I thought at the start of the offseason he probably was going to command a little too much money and won a little too much time and it was going to be difficult for the Penguins to make everything else work with him. Add in the fact that his agent is now the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, where he's from, it, it just all lined up too well for him to not come back. But again, he did. And to what you said about Trocek, I like. I know he's coming under fire right now, and it's a different sport, but I always think of a great Tomlinism. The best ability is availability. And everybody wanted to point to, oh, well, Gino's hurt. Gino always gets hurt. Gino's injury prone. Trocek has missed about the same amount of time as Malkin has over the past couple of years, and he's not as productive. And I still think Trocek's a very good player and a very good center, and he's getting basically what he's earned from the Rangers. But you would be getting the same type of availability with less production if you swap him for Malkin. So... Again, I think this is the best place for the Penguins to be, and it's the best outcome because and we'll we'll get into it in a little bit. Yohee and Rossi have both written about it on the athletic. The team believes they were just the victims of bad luck the last two postseasons, and I'd agree. Like you play a third string goalie and push a team that went to the conference final all the way to the brink to overtime in game seven, and then the year before your seemingly sturdy goalie melted the hell down and your backup was hurt. That's bad yep. luck. That's all it yeah. is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and credit, I guess, you know, it's it's a funny position, Pat, for Ron Hextel to find himself in because the criticism of him when he was in Philadelphia was that he was too patient. And now, you, you know, there's the same pressure to win or even greater pressure to win in Pittsburgh and to maximize the end of this window. You lose, given the crappy circumstances that you just laid out. What's he got to be thinking, you know, with regards to, like, change? You know, I, I, I think you have to think that the the temptation was there um, you know, regardless of whatever the facts were, um, that, that, you know, noting, um, you noting what we know, you know, that I, I don't know. I, I,
1: here's well, the other thing here, I'll tell you too, is that I, the thing I will say about that is I was listening to, uh, a show you've been on a few times, the Steve Dangle podcast, cause they're, they just dropped their Eastern and Western conference previews, which is pretty great. Cause it's like two and a half, three hours. I can just let it ride while I'm doing work or whatever. But, Dangle brought up a great point. One of the worst things that's happened, especially in the NHL and the cap era, is when a relatively good team has a heartbreaking playoff loss, and then that team tries to emulate who they lost to rather than just stick with what they got. Yeah,
0: make some kind of crazy rash decisions, you know.
1: Bad news. And there doesn't need to be that. And we've seen it happen, And, and they brought up the examples of You know, Vancouver in 2011, they tried to become the Bruins after that Stanley Cup loss, and it led to them being in a quagmire for seven, eight years. You saw it with the Blackhawks when they lost to Nashville in 2016. That was kind of the start of the demise of them. And just too many teams will get and the Penguins a little bit too in 2013, 2014. You know, they lost to some defense-heavy teams and decided, oh, despite having Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, we got to go get Mike Johnston, and we have to get all these... Pretty two way forwards rather than say, you know what? Screw it. We're going to be the fastest, most talented team and we're going to make you keep up with us. So I think for Hextall that his patience is a virtue.
0: Yeah. um and, and at the end of the day, Pat, I'll just use, you know, there's a couple, we've started to see the uh, algorithmic views of the season predictions play out over the course of the last couple of weeks. Micah uh, from ineffective math, uh, HockeyViz.com, uh He has the Penguins finishing second in the division just a, a hair behind the Washington Capitals and uh, that race that is essentially basically almost a coin flip. Uh, Dom Lechijin, uh has them as a, a 25% uh, chance to win the, the division and a likely rank in the division of first. <laughs> so, I mean, like, look, they're not going anywhere. And I think that, like, uh, the models, I mean, hell, look at the NHL 23 sim; They had them winning the cup i don't think that's reasonable i don't think the penguins are going to win the cup but the the is open longer than we thought it was going to be pat i asked the reality of the situation and ron hextall brought back a team that in dom's models pacing out at about a hundred and a half points that's crazy right like that's still really good and it still puts you in a position to potentially go into round one with home ice and that that's all you can ask for at this point, right? Going around one, you know you're going to be facing a divisional opponent, potentially, unless you know, you're know you banking on being the number one overall seed, which I don't think is going to happen. But the I, you, at the end of the day, you control what you can control. You want your games to be at home. That's, that's really uh, what the Penguins uh, are graded out as right now is a 9% chance of them uh, making the cup final in, the, in Dom's model. And wouldn't you know it, Pat, going into the trade deadline last year, Pat or Dom had them at about a 9% chance to win the Stanley Cup in that situation. And I think now, for me anyway, Pat, the Penguins are a team that live at the top of the second tier. They are perhaps the best second tier team in the National Hockey League. Where you take that handful, that that small grouping of teams that you say, these are my bar none cup candidates, the next grouping the penguins are at the top. (laughs) They're not, they're not enough to be in that cup conversation. They probably don't have the depth in their bottom six. They're going to be hard for scoring out of their depth. I think that's going to be a struggle for them. Um, You know, defensively, I think they will be great in a lot of ways with some hiccups defensively as always. They're just not as thorough as a, as a Colorado is right. Or even maybe a Toronto, despite Toronto's lack of playoff success um, those teams are doing a little bit of tidier business right now, right? But this isn't a bad place to be. And I think to your point, given the way that things have ended and traditionally and how ugly, uh, it could have gotten in a reaction, you know, in respect to reactions, especially given Ron Hextall's history, he's done nothing more than get back together and reconstruct another team. that's geared for over hundred points. And that's pretty crazy when you think about it.
1: Right. And, I'm going to kind of take something we always said in the past about the Capitals and kind of flip it and reverse it like uh, our – like everyone's good friend Missy Elliott once said.
0: Yeah, put my thing down.
1: Flip it and reverse it. Right. So we always just say about the Capitals, until they do it, they haven't done it. When it comes to Crosby, Malkin, and Letang, until they fall off, I have no reason to believe they will fall off. It's it's going to happen. There is one singular undefeated entity in sports, and that is time. Yeah. Time waits for no man. But this trio has done a hell of a job pushing back on that. And that's because they are three extremely elite talents. And the thing is, they're old on purpose. Yeah, you're right. Yep they're betting on guys who have experience and guys who have done what Crosby, Malkin and Latang have done just to a lesser extent. Guys who despite being in their late 20s, early 30s are still very good hockey players.
0: And hey, Pat, you know you know what doesn't go away with with time? Hockey IQ to your point. I think that's where you're getting at here.
1: It, th- like, you
0: you beat me to bingo. it. Bingo. Yeah, like at, that, that's the great thing about mental f- faculties, right? is that uh, in this era, or in this age range, I guess, uh, that sets so many people apart.
1: Is is Crosby as fast as he once was? Not even close. Is Malkin as fast and as strong as he once was? Not even close. I can't say the same about Letang, because he is an absolute fitness and workout (laughs) freak. But all three of those guys think the game on such a high level that it covers for some potential physical... I guess the, the word I could use here is decomposition just because they're not as fast. They're not as strong, but they will be able to outmaneuver you with the way they play. Sidney Crosby has become such a great two-way forward because his defensive prowess has gone up over the past few years. Part of that is Sidney Crosby being what we on this podcast like to call the most petty athlete in the world tell him he can't do something, and he's going to, out of spite, become the best at it. But the other thing is, with Sidney Crosby, his defense is now feeding his offense, because he's helping jumpstart the rush, the breakout, the forecheck, because he's making plays at the other end of the ice, which helps him in the offensive zone. Evgeny Malkin, more so now, rather than being the guy that Former Penguin and now I think Columbus Blue Jacket James Neal always used to say was if Genny Malkin was at his best when he was a bully, he just picked the puck up and said get the hell out of my way, I'm taking this thing to the house and scoring. He can't do that anymore, but you know what he does really well now, and I bet we're gonna see a bunch of breakdowns from you about this this year. He puts himself in scoring positions a lot better now, rather than being the guy who says I'm just barreling to the net and beating the goalie because I'm better. He gets to soft spots. He gets to areas where he's going to get a good pass and get a scoring opportunity. Works against the grain. So part of the reason their the penguins demise has been so exaggerated is that people have in their head. Oh, Crosby Malkin physically dominant take over games. Just say hop on my back. We're winning. They don't do that as much anymore, but they're still th- some of the best players on the ice because they know where to be. They impact the play. They impact possession. They impact turnovers. They impact offense and defense. So I think, again, this is a team that I agree with you. They're at the top of that second tier. But when their biggest weakness right now is just bottom six, that's not very hard to address in season there's always going to be somebody in the AHL, depending who, on the cap
0: situation. Yeah. Right,
1: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's always going to be somebody in the AHL who just decides, okay, I'm an NHLer now, and they come up. It happens in every system, including this one, because you look back at 15, 16, and 16, 17. We weren't doing backflips. We weren't sitting there going like, oh, they got all these guys in Wilkes Barre. They got to call them up. They're so great. You knew who they were because you're Jesse Marshall. But like the majority of the fan base wasn't sitting there like, bring up the kids. The kids need to be here. They just decided we're NHLers now. Call us up. I don't think there's the same group of guys, but there's a chance. And it's not going to be hard. I don't think come deadline, because I do think there's a big disparity between the top teams and the bottom teams. So if there's a guy having a pretty okay year in the bottom six on a team that's not going anywhere, you can go get them. So yeah. the best problem, in my opinion, to have going into a season where you're a second tier fringe, first tier contender. If your biggest problem is bottom six, that's a good place to be.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, the, the father time thing, you know, especially on the forward side, that top six is just is rife with players who are so much younger than those centers uh, and have a lot of energy. Uh, I'm excited, Pat about this Raquel, Crosby, Gensel connection. We saw that last preseason game, the, the little globetrotters uh, nature that that line has to just go unconscious um, and, and execute passes two steps ahead. Um, I almost felt like in that game, uh, the two steps ahead thing was accurate. We're like, Gensel and Crosby knew what they were going to do with pucks before they even got to them. And like that that's that's some 3D level chess. But Raquel plays that I've said this like a Kunitz-esque role for me, uh, where he himself, don't get me wrong, has like his own sneaky release uh and is a really good shot that I think he can he can accurately deliver on. Um
1: well, I was gonna say you know, in really, tight spaces. It, it's Kunitz with more scoring touch.
0: And less physicality. You know, I always think about Kunitz playoff Kunitz is destroying chemo team and then, you know, remember that hit where he just
1: <laughs> it was
0: atomic level hit. Um, you don't get that out of Ricard, Raquel, the kind you know, of the
1: kind of hit that is definitely illegal now. And right. So hundred percent, you, oh, you, know oh, what though? you
0: can't do that anymore at all. Like Colby oh, Armstrong, you really the Armstrong coming that. around really net hit. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you know, on a controlled breakout or not even a controlled, but just any, any sense of chaos in the defensive zone, you know, defensemen will take the puck on a, you know, on a walk. And they'll, they'll skate it behind their own net, you know, as a means of that net providing protection, right? Um, but if they're not paying attention, you can get blindsided on the other way or somebody coming the opposite way of the grain comes and connects with you. There were guys in the NHL back in the day that used to look for that hit. They would predatorily – they would circle like sharks until they knew they could catch a defenseman on that loop unsuspectingly and blow them up. And if you like, there's a probably a good YouTube montage of Colby Armstrong doing that because um, there was any there was a would I have him on the show one day and ask him about that. But it was like I don't think there was anybody I ever saw that did it with as well intended as he did. Like where he would like seek it out. But anyway, that Kunitz hit on it was the exact situation where Timon was coming from behind the net and Kunitz was traveling at about 175 miles an hour.
1: <laughs> it's Just, the it's the kind of hit in. EA Sports NHL that if you throw it it automatically triggers a fight
0: yeah yeah you're dropping the gloves um but that that potential is there and what I mean by that is Raquel is a guy who can get to the front of the net get in the tougher battle areas of the boards and be a bit of that space creator where attention gets drawn to him away from Gensel and Crosby And when you give those two time and space um they can burn you even when you give them time and when you don't give them time and space. So I mean at the end of the day, that's there's a lot of good potential there. I like what I've seen from Jason Zucker. He got a couple goals in the preseason. Not that that's a harbinger of future success pat, but it's better than him not scoring at all. Uh and I think you know especially, you know in that overtime, uh, the overtime game winner he had, uh you saw instinct from him to get it to a scoring area, to drive to the front of the net, put himself in a position where he could use his skill. That's all anybody's asking for. So, you know, we've talked about this top six, but like the that top line, I think, has a unique dynamic with with, with Ricardo Kell. The second line, I love the Rust connection. I always have analytically. It's been disgusting in its history. I posted the numbers. I don't remember them now, and I can't find the tweet, but they're like controlling over 60% of the frigging game from a shots and expected goals perspective. And Jason Zucker is not going to hurt that. Not going to hurt it at all. Uh, now I'm not, I'm, do, not
1: a, I'm not a big stock market guy in real life, but I am No, you're,
0: give me your best Jim Cramer.
1: <laughs> the Fed is asleep, <laughs> but, uh, he, I am, I'm buying low on Jason Zucker in, in waiting to see that stock grow this year. Cause I think by all accounts, the dude has never been healthy since he's been a penguin at no point. And now he appears to be healthy to start knock on wood. Knock, yeah. on wood, knock on wood. And I said he looked really good in the Rangers series last year, despite being hurt. Yeah. So, And he told Yohi in camp, basically, I haven't been able to be myself for the past few seasons, and, and my game is all predicated on skating. And now I feel like I'm myself and I can skate. So that's huge. So I think he's poised for a big year. Should he stay healthy? And I know that's a huge if, but... Should he do it? I think we're going to see one of his, if not his, best season at Pittsburgh.
0: I think so, too. The environment will be good for him. Um, You know, I think one thing that that benefits that line, and this is a good segue for us, is the Jeff Jeff Petrie acquisition. Because, you know, you said it in your analysis of Malkin. That gallop ability that he had to kind of surge through the neutral zone and just knock, uh, you know, uh, people over like children – on his way to the net like that's children. not that's not really around it was like a billy madison scene you know where he's playing dodgeball at the kids that's not really there anymore and and you know the knee injuries that he's had and stuff like that that's not helping the situation any but having a guy like jeff petrie back there certainly potentially takes the burden off of you uh to have to worry about that and i think that's the difference between a jeff petrie and a and a, and a john marino is a john marino the the penguins coach i need to be frank with you i don't think it's a secret that, like Todd Reardon and the staff are frustrated with his lack of ability or want to do that. Right. And I hope he develops it in New Jersey and it plays out there for him really well. And I, everybody wishes him the best, but it didn't happen in Pittsburgh and you can't continue to like hope that it's going to. And although the, the ship turned a little bit during the Rangers series and you started to see it happen, you're betting on it continuing, you know? And I think Jeff Petrie gives you a very reliable presence back there where you know what to expect uh, he's great at breaking the puck out and getting it through the neutral zone. The offense he provides you is 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 probably the greatest part of his game at this point in his career. Uh, he's coming off of a horrific season in Montreal, where you talk about buying stock low. It doesn't get any lower than that. That team was terrible, and he didn't have a very good year. Uh, shot, you know, and, and and really looking at his his on ice shooting percentage, Pat it was the lowest it's been in a long time. You generally want to buy there, uh, but. Uh, overall, what I would say is it's it's hopefully creating a situation where there's less of a burden on Malkin to have to feel like he's got to do that stuff, right? Which opens him up to be a, a, a shoot tar- a shot target, shoot target, shoot target, shot target when you get across the blue line and you enter the offensive zone. If he doesn't have it, Pat, guess who you're giving it to? Him, and that's not a bad guy to have the puck on his stick somewhere around the circles as you're coming in with speed. Uh, so I, I, I'm looking to that and saying like that could be a major game changer for that line in particular. Is is that addition and the the confidence that he should have Pat to do whatever the heck he wants with Marcus Pedersen back there. I'll, and I'll, before I end, I'll give it to you to talk about. But uh, interestingly enough, Dom uh, in his preview grades pairs. He gave the Penguins first pair of B minus and their second pair of B plus. I think that's a testament to how good Marcus Pedersen's been defensively and uh, potentially, again, a reliable stabilization for Jeff Petrie that enables him to confidently go out and um, be himself.
1: And that grading system actually is kind of a perfect metaphor because Pedersen and Petrie is absolutely a junior Letang Letang and Dumoulin because is Jeff Petrie Chris Letang? No but he's a very good offensive minded defenseman is Marcus Pedersen. Brian. Patrick, you
0: just, you just said something that, that oh. I have to interrupt you on is that on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a Pedersen and a Petrie. <laughs> the theme of the season this year, Patrick, oh, that's, that's our Christmas song. I love that's going to be our Christmas song. Unbelievable. Oh, dude, that's The so- way you, you just naturally spit that. You didn't even realize you did it. That's what's shocking to me is you <laughs> sang it almost in the tune of the song without even realizing you did it. That's the, amazing.
1: That's the uh, former drama and theater nerd in me. Right there you there. go. But uh, Anyway. <laughs> but, but yeah, and again, the Canadians last year under Dom Ducharme were historically bad. Yeah. So basing anything from that time period of the Canadians, whether it's evaluation, whether it's development, whatever you name it, is irrelevant because that team was historically bad and everybody got a boot everybody got you know everybody thought maybe okay under martin saint louis it was just the dead cat bounce like okay new new code he's <laughs> another animal my cat is sitting right next to me i told you that when we started the show he heard you say that it's you got your buds on buddy he didn't hear a thing <laughs> i said Advanced hearing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it wasn't just, oh, we got a new coach and there's a couple game trend where we play better just because, you know, we're feeling more under the microscope or we got rid of the guy we didn't like. They were a lot better under Martin St. Louis across the board. So I think that Jeff Petrie started to look better under Martin St. Louis, more like his usual self, but also he's much more suited to play on Mike Sullivan's system. Especially yeah. on a second pair, so considering they were able to swap um, Matheson for him, I think is huge because that was a huge sell high buy low kind of swap because Petrie was low, uh, Matheson was high, and I really do think Matheson kind of reached his peak here. I don't think he was, I don't think he was going to do much more or much worse. But I think there's more room for growth and more opportunity for the Penguins system as a whole with Petrie rather than there would be with Matheson.
0: Yeah, and I think I think what Petrie gives you, Pat, in like a in a utopian world is just a, like a much more consistent performance in like a three game sample at a time. You know, that's the thing I always said about Matheson is that the rule of sevens with him was that in a seven game series, you get three good performances and three bad performances, And then you could flip a coin on the seventh one, you know, and that to be fair to him, he was a lot more consistent last year. It was the best year of his, probably of his career. I think we could confidently say that. Um, But I think this is just more of an established player who's, who's certainly more physical um, is going to be a little bit better in front of his own net. And
1: and I think provide that's that's something else real quick that I want to, I want to address with the penguins this year is I like that they got bigger to do better in front of their net, but they didn't sacrifice movement. They didn't sacrifice puck handling skills or IQ. They didn't just do the need big, big guy, front net, clear net. Hit stick overhead, bop head. Like, everybody they went and got, Jan Ruda, when they they got Petrie, like, these are guys who still are very good defensemen, but they're good in front of the net, too.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, that that's a good point. And uh it stinks for Chad Ruweedle, you know, on the Jan Rudis side who's like Yon is probably like the least talked about player in Pittsburgh right now. Like I don't know a lot of people that are like hyping his game or overanalyzing it. Like it's just he exists. And, and they but he's,
1: and, and they should, you know why? And I think I'm about to steal what you were gonna say. He was Victor Hedman's partner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, look, there's a headman effect that comes with that. Certainly. Right. But like, those are pretty tough deployments. Uh, I think we could safely say, and he's uh, going to be
1: on the third pair here.
0: Yeah. On a third pairing with somebody competent on the other side of him, whether that I do think Pat, it's going to be Ty Smith, you know, that this is really like, for me anyway, like a, a discussion of like, where can you easy hide the money the easiest right now, you know, given where you need to be compliant. That was just the decision that made the most sense. I think you're going to see Ty Smith play for the Penguins.
1: Yeah, it's, um, the, it's, the, old, I, it's the old Grady to Wheeling to start the year.
0: Yeah, same thing. Uh, paper transaction type situation. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think the defense, it definitely needed to be freshened up for me. Um, I, I'm happy that it happened. You know, I am interested to see how long the top pair stays together and what happens with it. Or, or like, not top— not ta- stays together but what's the leash look like there like because we have to admit like there were times last year where that magic just seemed to be gone right um and I think that's probably a testament to the wear and tear that's come on to Brian Dumoulin and you know he's had a lot of injuries that have affected his ability to be mobile and mobility was never really the name of his game but it enabled him I think to effectively use his reach right and we talk about like what is gap control Gap control is the distance between yourself and the forward you're defending, right? Your gap is the amount of space that you give them. And and traditionally, from a coaching perspective, um, and you and I have both coached in our lives, there's a traditional amount of stick lengths. Stick lengths is what you use to define gap. Uh, There's a traditional amount of stick lengths. Someone should be away from you at the defensive blue line, the, the red line, uh, and so on and so forth. As you as you approach the net, that distance should close, right? And it's it's easy to do that when you can skate. I always struggled with it because, spoiler alert, I suck at skating. <laughs> I'm horrible at it. It's the worst part of my game.
1: That was about the only thing I was good at.
0: No, nah, if you'd have made the two of us, you'd have had a short hockey player who was pretty good. <laughs> he was, he was Pretty good. But uh, long a hey, long story short, though, you know, do that when you take that mobility away, Pat, and you're having to turn around right and you think about like i I think it's most noticeable in changes to flow when you're seeing that like chaotic switch from offense to defense and you're you're skating forward and now suddenly i have to be skating backwards that pivot and that ability to like get yourself moving it's been noticeably degraded for brian Dumoulin. it has it's just and that's the reality situation for better or worse we have to talk about it the way it is right that, that's, that comes with time. It comes with injuries. If that is not back, Pat, or at least at the same level, it kind of like, I feel like the, it, it makes that pairing not make sense anymore. Because the reason it worked in the past was Dumoulin was like that safety valve who was there to be like the preventer when Latang would go off on his adventurous journeys. But if he can't do that, you may need to consider like a swap and move Marcus Pedersen up. Is that the solution to that problem?
1: Well, I also think this is a big year to find out. Similar as I was saying to about Jason Zucker, we're going to find out how much with Brian Dumoulin was it his ankle injury that he got in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? Was it? No, it was twenty nineteen because it was Thanksgiving. Uh, But his ankle injury in twenty nineteen and how there was never adequate time for him to really recover from it because. He gets the ankle injury in 2019. He starts the recovery and healing process. COVID hits. World shuts down. So you know he's not going to the doctor. He's not going to therapy. He's not going to all that. And then they have the bubble season. And he probably was not 100% on that. Gets a little bit of time off, but he wasn't 100%. So he has to train differently because he's still kind of recovering from an ankle injury. Then they have the COVID-shortened season. Same deal. So now he's finally had, like, a full off season to train, to get healthy. So we're going to find out this year with Brian Dumlin. Is he just getting older and losing the ability, or is he finally had an adequate enough time and an adequate enough offseason to recover from this ankle injury and get some of that mobility back? We're yeah. going to find out in probably the first 10 to 15 games because after an easy start, they have a pretty brutal road schedule. So we're going to yeah. see, like... They're going right into the fire here.
0: No, you're right. And at, to, to your point, like those kinds of issues, Pat, like they they don't take a long time to show up on tape, um, especially with a pairing that obtains the amount of minutes that, that pairing does. Um, that's going to be something to watch. You know what else? I, I, and just to close out the conversation on the defense real quick, the one thing I'll mention before we start playing actual games here is that, and, and this is just something I'm going to be watching, Pat, like f- from my own eye, the only takeaway I even have from the preseason <laughs> is I thought that they really poorly defended the overload specific Pat in situations where the puck quickly changed from one side of the ice to the other. So the penguins D coverage is, is what's called like a puck side overload. They call it mostly where any D zone overload or strong side overload. What it means is you just, you ante up on covering the area of the ice, the pucks on you put, you try to put enough bodies in those battle areas where you outnumber the other team in those battle areas. And to do that, you have to have more bodies, right? So what you end up with is this sort of like, I, I view it as um, a door hinge and the hinge is the guy in front of the net. He's always going to be there no matter what. And everyone else sort of swoops around him, right? (laughs) Like they kind of, just go from one side to the other, and the guy in front of the net is sort of the hinge that like stays there.
1: Well, uh, and those guys moving have to be able to move because the thing I was going to say about that is what you're trying to do is you're essentially trying to cut the ice in half. Exactly. You're trying, you're trying to make it so that you're taking away the weak side. And for those who don't know the jargon, weak sides the side the puck is not on. You're trying to take away the weak side of the ice so it's just completely irrelevant. Everybody who's on the weak side of the ice is not a factor. So if the guys who cover that, that side in the overload, the puck side can't move and get to where they need to go to the other side, should the puck cut through the middle, then it completely negates that defensive strategy.
0: Yeah. Hell Pat, even if it wraps around the boards, right? I mean, same situation, right? You've got to be able to transition from one side, one half, as Pat said, you draw a line right between the circles, divide the defensive zone up into halves and wherever the half of the puck is on, You put your massive bodies on that half. Where the Penguins have struggled in the preseason is when that half changes, and when the puck switches from one side to the other, they've been getting destroyed in that transition. Like I I know there was a lot of of hubbub on Twitter one one night because Jeff Petrie got like real he got passengered real bad on the transition, and like was just sort of watching it happen. And that it's it's tough coverage it is, and if you're new to it, especially. And you don't usually play that system, and I don't think Montreal did. Uh, you know, it's going to take some getting used to, but I'm just I'm just saying that's a defenseman and a forward thing. It's a defensive zone coverage. Um, I think traditionally, you know, the slot and the net front are the weak areas there that you have to be extra cognizant of, and they've just been getting beat up a little bit. So
1: yeah, and, that's and, it. Yeah, and, and that's just that's going to come with time, just because yeah, hundred percent. There's like there's there's some new faces in some new places, not a lot, but enough that it's going to take some adjustment.
0: Agreed. Uh, so let's move on to goal real quick. we have always got to get to the correspondences from the people, but um, I just, I, we have to, we talked about the goaltending a little bit ago uh, that last year, you know, just had all hell break loose where Tristan Jari, I think really people underestimated Pat, how good he was in the regular season last year. Um, really strong performance, uh, top third of, of the goalies in the league easily, uh, with his end of year results, really robbed of the ability to get his redemption playoff moment, and that—that's what the playoff was all about for me. Was Tristan Jari going in and either performing or not performing? Um, you know, with that, um, you know, the, the the horror of year past fresh in his mind, but that didn't happen. Uh, we get one performance out of him in a boot uh, where he wouldn't even have played again if they won that game. I think that was the important revelation. Is like. Dude, the amount of pain management, Pat, that you have to go through to squeeze your foot into a goalie skate and play in that game is wild to absurd. me. It's absurd. Like every motion you take in that skate is going to be agonizingly painful. Every single one. So he earned my, I mean, like he should have earned everybody's respect, dude. Like that's, that's, that's like one of those things that's like it's you're that's kind of dumb. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. like, that's borderline stupid. Uh, so there's that. And then Casey DeSmith in the same, but you know, uh, the tail of two halves for him last year, right? Was totally but I think, in the first half of the season. Couldn't buy a save, Pat. What? Like, to the point that like the Penguins were like, we need to get a backup goalie. That's our number one priority at the trade deadline. Then it no longer became a priority because he played his way out of that was sort of like primed to take over for Tristan Jari and play some like confident upfront hockey. And he, then same thing with him. Uh, I think they're both looking for redemption. I think Jari is going to get the big split. I think he's going to get the big boy split this year. And I think they're going to like, if he's, if he's as good as he was, Pat, I think Mike Sullivan's going to let him go, especially with the schedule being a little bit more friendly. Right and like the the gaps between games, not that it seemed to really borrow bother, bother Jari all that much to begin with, because he was playing just about every damn minute for the first quarter of last year. Uh, I think that Mike Sullivan's going to let him eat, let him go, uh, and I, I frankly I don't have any concern here. I don't think this is a super big area of strength, Pat, but I also don't think this is an area of weakness if they're healthy.
1: Well, as it always has been to that point in the Crosby Malkin Latang era, you don't need Patrick Waugh back there. Yeah, you need a guy who just will not lose, who will not lose you a game. Is what I mean. He's gonna lose that guy
0: was unfortunately Jari two years ago, Pat. That's exactly it. Your perfect
1: example. And for Jari, I think back to the COVID shortened season playoffs on this very podcast. Me, you, and Sean Gentili talked about this. That Jari's COVID shortened season and his meltdown in that playoff should not have come as a surprise. Because if you remember that year, his splits stunk mm-hmm. like he was he was all over the place. he was prime era Patrick Waugh at home and he was below replacement level on the road. Yeah. And we we hit that flashing red light on this pod. We were like, guys, Jari's an issue. Jari's a problem like and then last year he got rid of those concerns. He was just as good at home as he was on the road some differences here and there. And then as for desmith Smith, like he pl- same thing. He played his way out of a bad start. And I think a lot of people forget because we got so enamored with the Louis Domingue storyline, the spicy pork before desmith Smith got hurt in game one. He was playing a gem of a game. Sure was. He looked like he was the starting goalie. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, okay, Jari, take your time. Like, because again I said it at the start of that series I think the penguins were one of the few teams outside of like the lightning or the leafs that had a legitimate shot in the east to beat the rangers and had they had goaltending I still think they win that series but
0: like Pat, do you, do you, I want to I not to interrupt you but like you just mentioned something very important in this and it's like I don't want to live in the past here but like how difficult what they did was in cracking the goaltending in that series.
1: Oh, they right made, like they made Shostak, and that's been the Penguins' mo forever. Like going back to the Lemieux days, they yeah. they make Hall of Fame goalies look pedestrian. It's just you're what they right,
0: do. but there's so many examples in recent memory dating back to like Yaroslav Halak of that opposite happening. Like you know they got they go back to the Bruins series, they couldn't buy a goal. Well, that know, that, that, that was, I was yeah, that was, t- that t- was t- a t- whole. T- yeah, but you know t- what I'm saying, though. T- like, t- I think it's
1: more, t- more t-
0: recently. I think sometimes fate has worked almost against them in that regard more than it's worked for them. Like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, Long story short, though, I mean, not an area of concern for either one of us. And you're like, you are 100 right, Casey DeSmith, Smith. Uh, if if what we saw from that game one was actually what he replicated for the rest of that series, it's probably over in, in five. five. Yeah. And, and, so. and,
1: and real quick, I said this this morning on, on Twitter and I stand by it. Everybody's high on the Rangers. They're good. But they had a lot of things happen for them last year that they better hope get replicated. And that's Igor Shostakovich being unbelievable and their power play being as good as it was, because I said it this morning. They scored fifty five power play goals last yep. year. Good for four, good, point. good for fourth in the league. They only they scored a total of two fifty. You take away their power play, they were minus nine. Like, and 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 I'm not saying like oh you can't count power play goals. You absolutely count power play goals. They go in the net, they go on the scoreboard, they count towards the final score. They count
0: but, more often than not, Pat. But oh, if, go ahead. But
1: if there's a bit of a regression on their power play,
0: that's a lot of goals.
1: That's a lot of goals,
0: dude. A lot of these models, Dom's model. Micah's model, etc. they have the Rangers as, like, the fourth best team in the division.
1: I, I mean, goaltending's the great equalizer, and I don't see any signs that Igor Shesterkin's a flash in the pan. Like, he is probably the best goalie in the league right now behind Andre Vasilevsky. But if he regresses a little bit, or if the power play regresses a little bit for the Rangers—
0: you're right the ecosystem has to work out in their favor exactly. right like it has to be and that's true for every team like what team can sustain a like a, a shit goaltending run you know not many um but yeah i, I get it right yeah. i know where you're at here um but yeah
1: i'm with you i have no concerns on goaltending as long as they stay healthy they're in a good spot
0: uh i know that we put out a call to hear from the people <laughs>
1: Mike on, with Mike out for today, I have it pulled up. Let's let's hear from the people. I don't
0: have any papers to shuffle.
1: I think I got, unfortunately. I got like a couple here on my desk. Like here's... Uh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you, Generation In Tux. In honor of Mike. Thank you, Generation Tux, for having a checklist I needed. But anyway. Let's see. First question. Let's go right to a Hall of Fame listener. Of oh, the boy. Show, our friend Morgan. Morgan, oh, Morgan. Morgan says, Boys, Hall of Famer Morgan checking in. You can only eat one deli meat for the rest of your life. What would it be?
0: Ooh, I didn't look at the questions beforehand, so this is catching me off guard. Go see my boy Morgan up a port. I don't what's the name of the dealership he works at? Do you know? I don't I don't. I mean, when I, when I give him a free plug on the show. I can't even remember it. I think it's the last name of his family, but I don't want someone to read that out without his consent <laughs> and like freaking dox him online. You know what I mean? Go see him if you hit him up on Twitter if you need a Chevy. Uh, I think it's Chevy. I don't know what he sells.
1: Uh, deli meat. My answer, and, uh, and I'm mm. not counting like cheese, but let's go with uh, – I'm going with Capicola.
0: Land of Lakes makes the best cheese.
1: Oh, 100%. If you get anything – Thank you than for Land
0: agreeing Lakes. with me on that. I, you're a joke. Yeah, I don't even want to – don't even get me started on – Land of Lakes is elite with their American. It's just – it's something about it just hits hits the right way. I mean I got to go – give me an Isley's Chip Chop, bro. What am I going – like I got to do, Right. I mean,
1: yeah, that's fair. you could
0: do chipped ham. You could do a lot with chipped ham,
1: right? Very fair. Very fair.
0: Corned beef is good.
1: Yes. Corned beef is a great answer. I, I would
0: probably put that as number two.
1: Let's go for another one here. Another Hall of Fame, in my opinion, listener and correspondence submitter. Our good friend, Laura.
0: Oh, Laura's stop. She's on Mount Rushmore.
1: She has one hockey question, one non-hockey question. We'll go with the hockey question first because we've kind of already answered this, but she asks, what off-season acquisition will make the biggest difference right away? I think we kind of answered that with with Petrie.
0: Yeah, I think so too, yeah.
1: Non-hockey question. Hope you guys are all doing well. What is the most fun thing you did this summer slash off-season? You were telling me a great story right before we started about what you did yesterday.
0: Yeah, no, so... Well, yesterday I have a toddler now. That's uh, a big deal. Uh, it's, it's a, yeah, I have a, like a toddler now. Is like learning how to talk. So that's like this summer was all about like new words, new experiences. Uh, there's a a playground like close to our house that is like a really. It's a series of slides that are larger in size as you go. Right, there's, there's a small one for baby children, and you get on the line. Um, there's a really big one that's like a vertical climb up. And then yesterday my daughter like pointed at it. and was like decidedly looked me right in the eye and was like up. It's <laughs> like, Oh man. It's like, I guess I'm taking you up the big slide now. So like, I don't know. She like made her, like she forced me to let her climb up it. Like, and I like followed up behind her, like having a panic attack the entire way. Like I'm going to, like my child's going to die and it's going to be my fault. Um, and then I made her go down on my lap. So all day yesterday, Pat, just so you know, I was going down twisty slides in the playground. Um, yeah,
1: I think for I think for me, uh, my cousin Cameron got married to his fiancee, Allie, and uh, I told Jesse off the air. I had a couple people ask me there when the pod was coming back because they've brought the gospel of hockey to Indianapolis. <laughs> so uh, shout out to you guys. And I always joked about the wedding because it the reception and the ceremony itself, the ceremony itself was on the outside. The reception was on the inside of the Cleveland Museum of Art. Mm. And, uh, (laughs) I joked with my girlfriend. I said, they are throwing a private school wedding for a bunch of state school kids. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, let's go to a funny question that we can get to from our friend hammer who this one works because Mike is not here. Okay. And he asks, Has Mike Darnay started referring to himself in the third person now that he's a credentialed photographer at Steelers and Pit Games? Yeah,
0: it's like, uh, what was that dude on Seinfeld? Was it Jimmy? Jimmy referred to himself in the third person all the time? That's it. I was going with
1: Mike's getting angry, baby. I was going with The Rock. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when Mike walks into the room, you show Mike respect. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, We kind of got this one asked in a couple different ways. So a couple people have asked this, I'll go with uh, Nate Shirley's submission for it. And he asks with the big three back until what we assume is the end of the line. What are your predictions for the next four years?
0: I mean, it's tough to know when the cliff happens. Right. And I think it does, but like, I think this year, next year, for sure, they stay a playoff team. Right. I think, what happens with the cap and like, you know, it's supposedly going to go up. Um, You know, unfortunately it's going to skyrocket after they retire, (laughs) but it's just, you know, the the new verse to the Alanis Morissette song, I guess I would say, I would feel super comfortable about easily making the playoffs the next two years. Maybe you're in for a fight for it the third year. And then the fourth year is the wild card. We have no idea what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think over the next four years they re- they remain a playoff team, a team that can make the postseason. They they essentially turn into one of those teams that they they solidly are the. Now you know if they get in, who knows? You know mm-hmm. we're not we're not planning parades. We're not talking about how they can do it. We're we're just we're gonna become the team that's just happy to be
0: there. You know what, too, Pat? I think they do have another. Deep run in them.
1: That's what I was gonna like, say. Like that's
0: one more thing that we'll get out of this group is one more. Let's hold hands and jump off the cliff together. Run. I th-
1: yeah. I was gonna say I think either this year or next year is the last. The might last, have been
0: could have been last year potentially. Should
1: have been last year. But I think this is the last. We get this year or next year we get one last deep run. I think they yeah. can go as far as they want to go. Win it all. I don't know. But third round finals. I can see it.
0: Wouldn't rule that out.
1: And this is the last one we're going to go with today because I know that you got to get rolling here soon, and it's a it's a silly one to end on. Daniel asks us who gets two wins first: the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Arizona Coyotes. <sighs> I'm going to that... Steelers Eagles on the thirtieth, and I'm terrified.
0: Yeah. So. <sighs> The Steelers' schedule is so friggin' brutal, dude. They have the Eagles. They have Tampa. Like Miami. these are n- Yeah, Miami without Tua's look, and maybe not even Tyree Kill now because he's in a boot. That's different, right? That that I'm still not feeling great, but I still feel better. Let's. I haven't looked at Arizona's schedule. Let me just pull that up real fast. We're gonna look that up. Not that it really makes a difference. I am intrigued by this. The arena as well. I think it's embarrassing and horrible that they're playing there. However, it's going to be, it's going to be loud.
1: It's going to be fun for yo. their
0: first game is the penguins on October 13th. The
1: penguins home opener and first game of the season is Arizona.
0: Right. And then they have the coyotes or the, excuse me, the, um, Bruins. That's not helpful. (laughs) That's October. So you have the penguins, the 13th, you have the Bruins the fifteenth, the Maple Leafs on the seventeenth. Now here's where I'm willing to entertain some conversation: Canadians in the twentieth. Don't feel good about it. You're in Montreal.
1: That's the to- don't feel good that's about the it. toilet bowl too. That's two of the but worst teams.
0: Then you got the Senators on the twenty second in Ottawa. Granted, you're looking at like Anton Forsberg as the goalie there. Right? Like anything could happen with that. I don't know what's the Cam Talbot got hurt. It's all wide open. Now, I'll say this October 25th at the Blue Jackets is probably your most reasonable first, first win that I would say is like a guarantee that you could say, like, I'm writing this one down as the most possible win of all these games that we've discussed. Then you have the Jets, they're in turmoil. They get, who the hell is the captain? Nobody knows. They don't have a Mark- captain. Everybody's crying. There's tears flowing down the rivers. I don't know. Uh, Because then you go Rangers, Panthers, Stars, Capitals. November 8th, you have Buffalo. So let's say November 8th is the day, right? Let's circle that as the day that Arizona gets their first uh, win. Now let's go back to the Steelers schedule. We said November 8th, right? Yep. Oh, it's not happening. No, because you have Philly. No, no, you have the Buccaneers on the 16th. The Dolphins on the twenty third, the Eagles on the thirtieth, then the Saints on the thirteenth. The Saints is probably your most likely win out of all that, right? And that's on November thirteenth. So, so I, I'm going with Arizona. Yeah,
1: I think the I think the Coyotes get the two wins. Before, this is as most
0: scientific as you're going to get with this, I right? Think,
1: I think the Coyotes get to two wins before our very own Pittsburgh. I could have
0: sworn the Coyotes played someone before the Penguins, but that's that is not the case. It's still terrible for them. Awful. That's that's,
1: that's a and all of start. those
0: games, by the way, are on the road, <laughs> right? Well, they're, like
1: they're not even starting at ASU until then,
0: right? So they they don't play a home game until October twenty eighth.
1: Two yeah. weeks on the road—that's rough. Because that because they, they start the fourteenth, or no, they start the thirteenth.
0: The thirteenth against the Penguins. So then you go all the way until October 28th until you have a home game.
1: Oh, man. Yo, it's bad. I
0: am, like I said, I'm excited to see what it looks like. I'm not happy that it's happening.
1: No, it'll be a fun novelty for the first season, then after that, it's an embarrassment. No,
0: I wouldn't even say season month. It'll be a fun novelty. Two weeks? Well, no, it'll be a fun
1: novelty of the first season because there's going to be a bunch of teams they surprise because... It's going to be, I don't want to say a hostile atmosphere, but it's going to be a different atmosphere. It's going to be a sure. fun atmosphere. And yeah. a lot of teams are going to go in there like, ah, fuck it, it's Arizona, who cares, ha, ha, ha. And, You're right. Maybe I've... and get and get beat. Like, they're going to steal some wins this year. Oh, yeah, they're still I'm, sticking to... by when I'm... I'm sticking by my prediction. They're... we got to come
0: back and revisit this, though. They're
1: still going to suck, but oh, yeah. they're going to steal some wins just because a lot of teams aren't going to be prepared to play there. And then next year everybody's gonna be like oh yeah remember hey asu is asu let's get in there and take care of business
0: well folks thanks for writing us some notes uh again we'll have hope to do more shows in upcoming uh uh, uh days to come and get mike on here with us to hang out as well bring some guests in to say hi uh appreciate the listens pat appreciate the time always nice talking to you about the bucks
1: Dude, I missed it.
0: good times